Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Awesome. Well, this morning uh, I am going to be continuing our series, Songs of Summer, a study through the book of Psalms. This is actually week four, and if you've missed, if you've been, had the privilege of being on holidays and you've missed any of our messages, I want to encourage you. They are free to download from iTunes or from our website. They've been phenomenal. They've been great lessons in there, and I just want to encourage you, if you've missed any, go and do yourself a favour, download those messages, and then do yourself another favour, actually listen to them, all right? So don't just download them, but listen to them. But one of the things, and what we've been uh, trying to portray, is the fact that there's power in music and in songs. Songs evoke memories. And I want to share a few of my memories with you this morning from certain songs. And I've asked for the help of the guys at the back. So if you would play this first track for me, guys at the back. All right, I don't need any more play because you know exactly. Right now, what's, has a memory come back? That's the Jaws theme song. And you know the memory that comes back from me every time I hear that? Of a 10-year-old. 10, yes. I think, look at my parents now and think, what were you thinking? A drive-in. My dad had a little minivan. He was a courier. We went as a family to the movies to see Jaws. Now, my younger brother and sister slept in the back. I was allowed to sit on the back seat. And every time that music came on, it was the cue that, okay, close your eyes, block your ears, and we'll tell you when you can watch. That's the memory that comes back to me when I hear that song. What about this one? Maybe you have a memory attached to this one. Okay, you can, you can stop, thanks, Luke. Batman, who remembers the cartoon Batman? Now, I don't know your memory. I do know Ben Odden's memory because he said in the pre-service pre- meeting we were having, that memory that evokes for Ben is guitar practice. He said, I just go straight to guitar lessons. Obviously, that's what he had to learn for his guitar teaching. For me, when I was 15, one of the favourite things my girlfriends and I used to do is watch horror movies. I wonder why I can't walk alone in dark. <laughs> But at 15, we used to watch horror movies. And then what we would do, so that we could get up from the lounge room and walk to our bedroom, we had all these in the old days where you could tape on the VCR cartoons. So after we watched a scary movie, we'd then watch Batman so that we felt it had the courage enough to get up from the lounge and go to the bedroom so we could go and feign sleep. All right, and then lastly, what about this one? See if this brings any memories back for you. All right, it's the chicken dance, in case you didn't recognise it. You know what the chicken dance brings back to me? My 21st birthday. At the time that I was turning 21 and all my friends, that chicken dance was doing the rounds. It was a great party starter. If If your party was tanking, put on the chicken dance. Everybody gets up to the chicken dance. So there is power in music and songs. Songs evoke memories, but songs also present a message. 
And what I've discovered too is that sometimes the message of the song can get lost or misinterpreted or forgotten. I mean, Tony shared two weeks ago about the great theologian Taylor Swift and talked about her song and some of the things that she wrote. Well, do you know what? She has a song called Blank Space. And I spent many weeks singing Starbucks Lovers. And actually to find out, and I wasn't alone because on um, one of the interviews I saw on TV, her mother thought the same thing. It was Starbucks Lovers. And it comes out that no, actually the lyric is, I've got a long list of ex-lovers. And it's a great picture to us that, you know what, we can be, it didn't matter how confident you sang it, how loud you sang it. The truth is, we were all, if you were with me, we were singing it wrong. I went to a, a Cold Chisel concert and in a couple of their songs, they had all the words come up and everyone was singing and clapping. They're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I never knew it said that. I've been singing this for years. And so the purpose and the thought of our um, wanting to do the Songs of Summer series is to take a look at the Psalms and let's talk about the true message of the Psalm. Maybe not the message that you and I have interpreted it into, forgotten about, or maybe manipulated it into this this morning. And so today I get the privilege of speaking on one of my favourite Psalms and it is actually Psalm 92. And I thought, you know what, it's the beginning of a new year and I just wanted to take some time this morning to encourage us that 2016, let's let 2016 be a year where we stop surviving and start thriving. And I just was encouraged by Chris when he was just talking about out of Isaiah and living waters and just the the heart of God wanting us to know, you know what, it doesn't matter what happened in 2015 for you or 2014 or 2013, whether good, bad, ugly, indifferent, 2016 can be a year where we stop surviving and start thriving. We um, had the privilege, uh, just before Christmas, we had some pastors over our house and we were just sharing lunch with them and just wanting to bless them and spend some time with them. And we just got on to telling stories, just telling some of the fun things, some of the dumb things, some of the silly things that we've done in our, because this is our 22nd year, heading into our 22nd year of leading this amazing church. And we were just sharing stories with them and we were laughing, they were laughing at our expense and they were telling their stories and it was just a really good old time. But what I loved about it was that at the end of the day, they said to us, some of them, their churches maybe only three years, some had been doing it for six or seven. And they just said, you know what, if after 22 years, despite everything you've been through, if we can have a joy like you and Tony display, a, a, a faith, just you've got this faith and expectation, oh, well, you know, there's always tomorrow. If we can have a family, our family were there and they were just seeing the interaction. If we can have some of those things, then we'd be happy. And I don't say that to big note myself. I'm just saying, I felt God say to me 22 years ago, when he asked us if we would start Victory Church, I did what every Christian did. I said, no way, Jose, I ain't doing that. Because, you know, that's what we do. We're like, I mean, I don't know. We have this concept that we actually can tell God that he's got it wrong. But when I relented and just went, you know what, Lord, I'll do, I know what I'll do. Tony can lead the church. I'll just be his wife. And, and God just went, there's no way. You're going to do it together. So I felt God say to me, you know what, Kath, all I'm asking is that you would be an example. And I just was like, oh, I don't, uh, what kind of example? <laughs> it's what he said. You can be a wonderful example 
or you can be a horrible warning. Choice is yours. And so I've just lived the 22 years of leading this, or 21 coming into 22 years of this, leading this church with the desire to want to be an example. I'm not perfect. That was your your cue to go, oh, yeah, you are. (laughs) I'm not perfect. Tony's not perfect. Our family's not perfect. This church is not perfect because I'm here and because you're here. But I just want to be an example. I want people to go, you know what? When she gets it wrong, she'll admit it. When she gets it right, she's not arrogant. She's confident. She's comfortable. She loves God. You know what? There's something about her that I would like to have rub off in my life. That, that's what I just feel God said, I, all I have to do. I don't have to worry about trying to be this or trying to be that. He said, just be you and be an example. And the greatest key, other than, other than having a dynamic, personal, um, real, living, deep r- relationship with Jesus, the other key that has helped me, I think, in our seasons of up, down, in between, the key that has helped us not only survive, but thrive, is found in Psalm 92. And I'm just going to read verses 12 to 14 to you. It says, The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like the cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. If there is anything about my life that is an encouragement or an example to you, you need to know that it comes from the fact that I am planted in the house of God. If there's anything to you in my life that you think, you know what, I like that and I want to emulate, and that's not a bad thing. Again, I'm not being arrogant. Paul says, follow my example as I follow Christ. If there's anything in my life that's encouraging or inspiring to you, yes, I've got a great a personal relationship with Jesus that you need to have. But the key for me has been, one of the major keys is that I've planted myself in the house of the Lord. According to the dictionary, planted means to put or set in the ground for growth. You know, I've got a newsflash. I face the same struggles, the same thoughts, the same situations and circumstances that you face. I'm no more favoured, valued, or gifted than anyone else sitting here. I wish, honestly, that there was a pill, a potion, a prayer you could say that as a pastor, I can say this, which makes me immune to everything else that everybody else goes through, but there's not. And so if you look at me and say, actually, you know what? I like that. There's something about that. The good news is today, you can have that same effect. You can be that same example because there's nothing about me That's any different from you. Our gifts are different, yes. But my value, the way God looks at me, the way He favours me, what He thinks about me, what His love and care towards me, it's the same towards me as it is towards you. So if you're encouraged by what I do and what I bring, then you too should be encouraged that you can be the same, that you can take an example and be an example to others. And the key to that is because I'm planted. I don't do what I do because I'm a pastor. People often say, oh, you have to do that because you're a pastor. No, 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 no. Psalm 92. I am planted. So when people say, you do that because you're a pastor, my answer is this. I'm a planted parishioner just like you. 
It's not because I'm a pastor I do that. It's because I've decided to plant myself in the house of God. And when I plant myself in the house of God, my life flourishes. So I just want to share a couple of keys this morning that are going to help us uh, to understand the benefits of being planted. I read a commentary and this is what the, uh, the man said. He said, a seed can't grow to its potential unless it's planted. Sitting on top of the soil won't do it. Christ followers can't grow to their potential unless they're planted in church, not just attending. We um, built a new home several years ago and we had some landscaping done. And we didn't have enough finance to get it all done. So we got the landscapers to do a certain section. And then there was a, a bottom section that we thought we would do. And so my mum, being a bit of a green thumb, she helped us. And I, we wanted to plant a hedge. And so we, uh, Big W had these hedge bushes on sale. So we bought them. And I had the help of uh, Amrick and um, Brandon. And we dug 30 holes to put these 30 bushes in. Now, they weren't just holes. They were like, my mum made them dig 30 one metre deep by half a metre wide holes. And if you ask Amrick, he's probably still got the blister scars on his hands because, hey, we just did it with a post hole digger to get to hole number 29. And Wayne Hoffman came around for something and said, oh, I've got an electric one of those. So when he pulled himself off the floor, because we all went, ah! <laughs> the point is, my mum made us dig a hole. I'm like, we're not burying a body, mum. We're just putting plants in. <laughs> but she made us dig these holes because she understood something. She knew that uh, winter was coming. She knew that summer was coming. And she just knew that, you know what, if we want these plants to thrive, then they need to be planted well. We couldn't just throw the seed on the top. We couldn't just plant, throw the plant on the top. We had to dig down deep, prepare it, put it in. At the same time, some of our other plants that were planted when the landscaper did it, he obviously didn't dig as deep as what we did because our first winter and summer came and not one of my hedge is lost and yet I lost about 50% of our other plants. And when my mum came to fix the things, it was almost like they literally just came out. They hadn't been dug deep. The difference between why we need to be planted is it's, it was the same winter and the same summer that presented itself to both those plants, one thrived and one didn't survive. And so this is why I'm wanting to share this this morning. This is why it's a passion of my heart. If there's anything in my life that's an example to you, it's because I've understood the principle of being planted in the house of God. So what does Psalm 92 tell us about being planted? The first thing I get out of those uh, three scriptures is this. When you're planted you will flourish. Verse 12 says, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. By dictionary definition, flourish means to thrive, prosper, be successful, to be in a vigorous state, to shine. Did you know that a palm tree can survive any and thrive in any season or situation? I love the imagery that it's the righteous will flourish like a palm tree, not the righteous will flourish like an orchid. Or the righteous will flourish like a eucalyptus tree. Or it's a palm tree, not by mistake, but by design. See, palm trees flourish in all types of seasons. In the cold, in the heat, in the desert. I mean, in a, a, a palm tree doesn't just 
survive in the desert. It thrives in the desert. In good seasons, bad seasons, lots of rain, no rain, drought, a palm tree flourishes in all conditions, even during hurricanes. A palm tree is known for its flexibility. They say in um, Hurricane Andrew, a palm tree can be blown so much so that it bends vertically so that it's horizontal with the ground and yet not break. The wind and the force, that tree that stands so strong and tough can bend so it's almost touching the ground and yet not snap, not break. And when the wind dies down, it returns to its normal position but then doesn't walk, not that a tree walks around, <laughs> it doesn't then continue on with a limp, like that doesn't stunt or stop its growth, it then continues, it flourishes even after the storm has passed. As Christians, we need to be planted in the house of God, why? So that we can flourish like a palm tree, because seasons come and seasons go, things happen. Just because we're just like I said, I'm a pastor doesn't make me immune to things. Being a Christian doesn't make us immune to things. We still live life. We still have things to go through. And season comes, winter comes, summer comes, spring comes. Things happen in life that we have no control over. But the Christian who is planted, the Christian who has dug down deep, and you know, like when you're at the beach and you go in the water like this and then it gets hard to get out, the Christian who has planted themselves in the local church, they may bend, but they do not break. I, read a, I heard an a, a American preacher says, the Christian that is planted says, they can take a licking, but they keep on ticking. And I don't know if you took a licking in 2015, but what I do know is if you're planted in the house, you can keep on ticking. I know there are several families who had a very despondent 2015. They suffered loss, they suffered pain, they suffered separation, unexpected trials and difficulties. But do you know what they did? Because they were planted, they continued to serve, they continued to come to church, they didn't give up on God because they were planted, they understood the power of being planted. And when I'm planted, I will flourish. I might be bending. I'm, you may have walked through those doors this morning at a, is it horizontal? At a horizontal level, like you're doing the limbo. It doesn't matter how you came in, you're here. You may be bent, but if you're planted, you will not break. There are other people who have suffered the same circumstances and situations of some of our valuable members. But because they weren't planted, they snapped. They didn't understand the value of if I plant myself in the local church, if I get the, the advice and if I get the help and the support I'm needed, I might be bending. But you know what? Being planted in this house means that I won't break. They go, I'm going to have the support. But sadly, when you're not planted, it's not that easy. You're kind of like some of my trees, that they just weren't planted deep enough in the same situation that tried to take out my hedge, didn't take out my hedge, but it took out these trees. And the same situations that have seen some of our members sail through, not enjoying it, but sail through is because they've planted themselves in the local church. What I've discovered is being planted doesn't make me immune. It's just made me immovable. I'm not immune to things happening to me. But I'm being planted, I'm not moving. I'm not moving. And I, I always remember, for those of you who may remember, Denise Battersby. Several years ago, Denise 
went, she finished, she got her reward, she went and spent, uh, has gone on to eternity with God. And I remember in the midst of her sickness, when it was literally her last days, Denise was still preaching to us. She was immovable. She, to me, Denise was flourishing. I remember the day before she passed, we were in the hospital with her, it was Tony and myself, and she was telling me how I was to do her funeral. So I was taking, you know, Denise, you just took notes. Yes, Denise. I just did. But you know what? She just went from this is what I want to happen to she started preaching, she started prophesying over Tony. Just started. Here's a woman who is in her last days here on earth preparing to meet her maker, but I called her flourishing because she was planted. In fact, we sent Benno and Elise back that afternoon. They did communion with her. We... Um, she sent a message to the church. I think it's still on our website. It is an amazing thing to watch. Here's a woman, situation, circumstances, possibly not what she had thought or planned, but she was planted. And because she was planted, she was flourishing. And she went on to inherit the promise that you and I are waiting to inherit. And she did it in style. She did it in grace. She did it flourishing. She was thriving to the very end. When you're planted in the house of God, you may bend but you will not break. James 1 verses 2 to 4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And verse 12 goes on to say, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised for those who love him. When you're planted in the house of God, you will flourish. Verse 12 goes on to say that when you're, um, not only will you flourish like a palm tree, you will grow like the cedar of Lebanon. The second key, the second advantage of being planted in the houses of God is you will grow. The facts about the Lebanon cedar tree is that it grows up to 130 feet tall. It takes 40 to 70 years for it to grow 40 to 60 feet tall. It takes over 100 years for it to grow to 130 feet tall. The point? The point is that the Lebanon cedar tree always is growing. Never, never stops growing. And as Christians and as believers, we have to remind ourselves we never stop growing. We, ne we don't have the luxury to say, I've arrived, I've finished, I've done, I know all I need to know. We never stop growing. If you are planted in the house of the Lord, you will grow. But here's what I need to remind myself and remind you, is that going to church doesn't mean I'll grow. Going to church doesn't make a growth a finality in my life. No more than me sitting in the garage makes me a car. I think we have a perception, well, I go to church, I'll grow. No, no, no. You will grow if you plant yourself in the local church. Going to church doesn't equal growth. Growth comes when you're planted, when you're giving of yourself, when you're giving of your time, when you're giving of your talent, when you're giving of your treasure, when you've decided that, you know what, I'm planting myself in this local church. When I'm here, I'm not moving, then growth will come. So I love the fact that in today's society, the Word is so readily available. You can get podcasts of 
preachers from all over the world, and they're amazing. They're great to listen to. You can get podcasts. You can even watch church online. If you can't get to church, there are many churches who have their church services online, their e-books. The Word is so readily available, but nothing will make you grow more than being planted in the house of the Lord. Because you know what? It's in church where I've discovered what, not what I know, but what I believe. See, I can, I can read about forgiveness. I can read about patience. I can read about being kind. But do you know what? Just because I read about it and I have a mental assent doesn't mean I have an ownership and it's actually mine. But I tell you, when I'm planted in the house and somebody comes up to me and has an opinion on something they want to share with me, it's right then and there that I have the opportunity, oh, this is where I need to let forgiveness flow. This is where I need to develop patience when you're leading a group. So if you're here and you're um, part of a team and you're volunteering and then it's like, how many times do I have to remind them? It's like one more time. This is where patience comes. I might know about patience. I might be able to give you the dictionary definition about patience. I can give you some great examples. But you know what? When I'm planted in the church, it's where I learn patience. Oh, this is what patience is like. It's like in the church I've learned about forgiveness. It's in the church I've learned... um, about leadership. All these things in the church that I've learned. I, great that I can watch things online, I can hear things, but it's in the church I get to flesh out what it is I actually know. And it's what I flesh out that actually is what I am. I've discovered it's really easy for me to tell you how kind I am, for me to tell you how generous I am. I could tell you anything and you go, oh, okay. But you want to know if it's a reality. And the only way you'll know if it's a reality is to see me outworking it. I mean, I always thought that I was pretty open-minded and that I wasn't very judgmental. And about 15 years ago, that got put to the test. Because about 15 years ago, we had a man come into our congregation who introduced himself to us as Peter Ann. So he was a man who was having an identity, a sexual identity crisis with who he was. And so he was coming as a woman. Somebody had brought him along. Now, like I said, we can say we're open and we're not judgmental and we love people. And that's easy to say. But is that easy for you to flesh it out when now it's actually, I can't just say that. I actually have to demonstrate that I love you and that you're accept. I might not accept um, the things that you're doing, but you as a created in the image of God person, I accept. And so, you know, and I'm not talking just one-off visit. I'm talking he's somebody who brought the, Peter Ann along. He came dressed as a woman. And there were all these things. And again, here's the scary thing, because I get the fact that we've got now OH&S and all these things you've got to, so you've got to start thinking, what about toilets? What about, what do you do there? I don't want this person, he is a loved child of God and he needs to know that he is confused about his sexuality right now, but I want to provide an opportunity for him to feel and know the love and the presence of Jesus so that we can get to the root issue here so that he can make some choices. And you know what? Like I said, it's all right for me to tell you, no, I'm not judgmental, but all those things that when you're faced with that rise up, you go, oh, oh, maybe I am. I've got a little thing. I need to do some working on this. It's all right for us to say I'm generous. But then there's a call for the building fund and something goes in or or we've all got excuses or whatever. You know what? You can tell me what you like. 
But it's plant, when you're planted in the local, that's when you grow, when you decide, you know what, I'm going to commit to the building fund. And then when things get tight or it's, hard, it's like, I'm not going to compromise, so I'm going to continue. And as I continue, guess what? God moved in my situation. Faith, I've grown. Where I would, before I wouldn't have bothered, but I've, I've made an opportunity to do that. I've stepped out in faith. I'm, I believe God. God's no bigger than what he was before, but in my thinking and my processing, he's big. I've magnified him because I've taken a step in, of faith. Faith has grown and I have grown. Growth comes when you're planted in the house of God. Peter Ann was about 12 months he was in our church and then he died. But before he died, he came in one day and he came dressed as a man. He came up to Tony. He said, I want to introduce you to someone. And Tony's like, oh, cool. cool. And he stuck his hand and he goes, hi, my name is Peter. You know what? What an opportunity because we were planted in the house of the Lord. Growth came to that man's life. He, I don't know how long he could have been and if we'd shunned him or whatever, but 12 months he spent in our church, loved on by the church, got planted and his life is shown. He grew and he received his reward in heaven. You know what? When you're planted, you'll grow. Don't tell me what you think you are. Get yourself planted in the church and you'll soon discover what you think you are. And you go, oh, I didn't know that was in there. And God goes, exactly. So when you're planted in the house, that comes out. Why? Not to embarrass you or expose you, but to help you deal with it. When you deal with it, growth comes. I love Joyce Meyer, Stephen Furtick, Bishop T.D. Jakes. They're all great ministries. And I've learned heaps from them. I love to listen to different podcasts as I go on my walk. But they don't know me. And so they can teach. And I said, Joyce talks about forgiveness. Even just this week, she posted about, you don't forgive people for their benefit. You forgive people for yours. I can sprout that. But you know what? Joyce is never going to sidle up side next to me and say, you know, Kath, something's a little skew here. Something's not quite right. Your interaction's there. Something's, something's going on. But you know what? My connect group leader will. My friends will. Those who I'm doing life with when I'm planning in the church go, you know what? You may know about forgiveness, but I just want to let you know you're actually not quite living in it because this is what I'm noticing. Love Joyce. Love her teaching. Love Stephen Furtick. I can learn from them. But when I'm planted in the house of God, that's when I grow because it's when I'm planted in the house, those things manifest. People come alongside. They'll point them out. They'll encourage me. And that's when I can make adjustment. What I've discovered is I can go to church and not grow, but I cannot be planted and stay the same. When you're planted, you will grow. The other key I get out of those couple of verses is that you will be fruitful. When you're planted, you'll be fruitful. Verse 14 says, they will still bear fruit in old age. We are here to make a difference. If it was just about us coming to relationship with Christ and then spending eternity. He might as well take us once we've made that decision. Once we've recognised Christ as our Lord and Saviour, we might as well go to be in heaven with him. It's not about that. It's about us being his disciples here on earth and making disciples of others and bringing as many people as we can on the journey to connect others to God, those who don't know him. And I've discovered that when I'm planted in the church, I'm fruitful. I, there's a lot I can do. You know the acronym, together everybody achieves more. When I'm planted in the church, my reach is far greater, far wider, and has far more implication than anything I could do 
on my own. John 15, 8 says, This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And I've discovered that when I'm planted, my influence increases. I love hearing Katie's testimony up here about Kalawasi. Do you know, because of Vic, now Katie couldn't go to Kalawasi on her own and put on a teacher seminar. I mean, she could, but it wouldn't have been as successful as it was. Why? Because of the influence or lack of without the backing of Victory Church. When you're planted in the house, you've got influence. Did you hear what she said? We've built a children's centre in Kalawasi and one of the, uh, Mr Toto is one of the um, ex-villagers. He's the second in charge to the, pre- is it President? Prime Minister. I'm waiting for Tony Bates. President of Indonesia. He has the ear of the Indonesian president. We have a children's centre and because of the work that Victory Church is doing in the children's centre and what they're using it for, the government have now come and paved the road because they understand people are coming to this area. People are coming, they're doing trainings, their kids are coming, they're doing all sorts of courses and seminar at the children's centre. So the government have now paved the road. It's influence. But it's influence that's come from being planted in the house of God. Katie and the team could go and teach teachers and bring curriculum and be invited back and they want to open it up even more, not on their own influence, but because they've been planted in the house of God. When you're planted, your influence increases. You know what? My opportunities have increased. I fed children in Mongolia. I've housed children in India. I've put teachers through college in South Africa. I've given gifts to prisoners, children at Christmas time. I've given gifts to some of the local sex workers here in Adelaide to tell them that they're valued, that there's a God in heaven who loves them. There's a company of people here on earth who believe in them. I've, we've built a children's centre in Kalawansi. I've sponsored children, at, at-risk children in Indonesia. I've been to countries I never dreamed possible. I've ministered in places I never thought, I didn't even know existed. I mean, Mongolia, I didn't know. And Tony's been there and preaching there. There's places we've been. I would never have had the opportunity to go if it wasn't for the fact I'm planted in the local church. Opportunities that have opened up to me, opportunities that have opened up to you. Even the fact that you may not personally go, but if you've financed anything, you've given money, offerings, the goats, we sold 161 goats. It's just influence that we've got, opportunities that have uh, happened to you and to me. Why? Because I've planted myself in the local church. I would never have been able to do that or participate in any of those programs. I couldn't tell you I've put teachers through Teachers College in South Africa if it wasn't for being planted in the local church. But together, we've been able to do that. My friendships have increased. By being planted in the local church, my friendship circle has increased. My best friends are in this church and they came through someone else. I would never have met them. I look at Moggy here in the front row who can't clap in time. (laughs) I wouldn't know Moggy if it wasn't for the fact I'm planted in the local church. Come on, look around. It's like my friendship base has increased. But not only that, I've got friends not only in the local church, I've got friends interstate, I've got friends internationally. And one of the greatest joys of my heart too is I've been able to open my friendship circles up to others. I think Ben and Elise who came to New Zealand with us in May, we've been able to open up friends. He's got friends in New Zealand 
Why? Because of us? Because of why? Because he's planted in the local church. Being planted in the local church has not only opened up friendships for me, it's opened up friendships for others as well. So not only has my friendships increased, but my experiences have increased. Talk about the fruit of being planted in a local church. I've prayed for people and seen them healed. Not because of anything I've done, but just because I've been in an opportunity where I can just extend my faith and ask, Father in heaven, won't you come and move in this situation? I didn't do anything other than remind God of his word and present his children to him. But we've seen blind eyes open. We've seen deaf ears opened. We've seen barrenness. People who have been declared barren, they will not have children and had that overcome. We've seen people's lives saved, transformed. I tell you about Peter Ann. People that were on a lost road, to an eternity without God, but we've seen their lives change. Why? Because I've planted myself in a local church and I've seen the fruit of that. Not me, us. It's the fruit of that. I've had the privilege of walking people through loss, separation and disappointment. It really was a joy last year to do Kieran's funeral. Not a joy because he was gone, but a joy of what I could bring to a family in need at that time. It's a privilege, the fruit of that, to be able to walk a family through one of their darkest times, to be able to just ring her and say, how are you going, babes? How's things? It's a privilege. It's the fruit of being planted in the local church. My reach and your reach is further than it could ever be on our own. It's deeper and wider. Why? Because I'm planted in the local church. And then finally, as the band come, you'll stay fresh says they will stay fresh and green. Not that I'm one to tell God what to do, but I would have moved the uh, comma. It says they will bear fruit in old age, comma, they will stay fresh and green. I'd like to read it. They will still bear fruit, comma, in old age, they will stay fresh and green. The palm tree is known as an evergreen, which means simply it keeps its leaves and stays green throughout the whole year. I want to encourage you. The older you get as an individual, but even the older you get in your Christian walk, don't, don't, don't get stale and crusty. We serve a living God. He loves us. He's for us. What he did for you 2,000 years ago is still relevant and applicable to your life today. As you get older, you know what? Your serving may look different. I get it. You don't have the same energy. You don't have the same um, attention span. Whatever it is, ailments, whatever it is. It's not about what you do. It's about you doing it. Your season may look different, but it isn't non-existent. As you stay planted in the house of God, you'll stay fresh. I love the fact we have Pete and Kath Victory on the door on Sundays. Now, they don't do it every week because of their season and their situation, but they're still serving. They're fresh and green. There's nothing like a Kath Victory hug when you come through the door or a Peter Victory handshake. It's not about not existing. It's about doing it. I love the fact we've got a nursing mum's room and what really thrills my heart is when here's a new mum, she's had a baby. She's got every opportunity to just sit back and relax. It's her new season. But you know what she does? Not only does she go in there so that her little one's being looked after, but she looks after other little ones so that other mums can be refreshed. Your season may look different, but you can still stay fresh and green in your season. John Wesley says this, Catch on fire with enthusiasm 
and people will come from miles away to watch you burn. You know how we catch on fire and stay on fire for God. We must be planted in the house of the Lord. To stay fresh and green, can I encourage you, church, be planted. As I opened and as I hand back to Tony this morning, I am no more specially favoured, valued, gifted, different gifted, but no more than any individual here this morning. I'm not thriving in this season because I'm a pastor. I am thriving because I've made a decision to be a planted parishioner. I don't know what 2015 looked like for you. And you know what? Sometimes survival isn't a bad thing because it's better survival than the alternative. But I just want to set us up for 2016, whatever last year was for you. You don't have to just survive. You can thrive for 2016. And I just want to declare that 2016, we're coming for you. We're not going to let you, we're not going to let 2016 be a year where we just survive again. But if you're here this morning and you're just like, things have got on top of you, can I encourage you, plant yourself in the house. When you plant yourself in the house, you'll flourish, you'll grow, you'll bear fruit, and you will remain fresh. And if you can do those things, then 2016 doesn't stand a chance. We're not going to survive this year. We are going to thrive. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.